As Pastor Mike was speaking earlier, we had our men's conference, so you might be visiting with us today. And just to bring you up to speed, each year we have a men's conference and bring in an outside speaker. Uh, so we met Friday night for one session and then Saturday morning for two sessions. Uh, our speaker is Dr. Tom Schreiner. Tom is from Southern Seminary down in Louisville, Kentucky, and pastors at Clifton Heights Baptist Church. Uh, married to Diane, he's got four children, he's an empty nester at this stage in life. Uh, we've been going through Galatians in our morning service, our series, for the past several months, and a lot of uh, the study that I've been doing has been in a New Testament commentary written by this guy here, Tom Schreiner. Uh, he's written a number of commentaries and is just a blessing to the church. So I'm going to read scripture and just get out of the way, and then Tom, you can come up here and uh, launch from there. All right, so uh, go ahead and take your Bibles and open to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 16. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. I'm in verse 5 now. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Thank you. 
Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this weekend, some of you at least, and uh, what, a, what a delight it's been for me to be at your church and to see what the Lord uh, is doing here. It's, it's, it's really been a, a great joy uh, for me. My, my sermon is titled, from, from actually the whole of Hebrews 11, uh, Making It, Making It by Faith, Making It uh, by Faith. Uh, let's, let's pray again. Father, we, we sang today that uh, we, we are not to question any of your words. We don't give you counsel, you give us counsel. And, and Lord, instead of questioning your words, we pray by your Spirit that we will embrace your words, that we will accept your word, that we will delight in your word. And we pray, Lord, that it will dwell deep within us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the, the theme of these uh, verses, the theme of, these chap, of this chapter is making it to the end, running to the race to the end by faith. So, you know, if you run a race, there, there are different kinds of races, right? There are sprints and there are marathons. But, but the Christian life, the Christian life isn't, isn't a sprint, but it's a, it's a marathon. It's a it's a long race. I, I thought of that when I, I read the book. Maybe many of you have read it. Maybe some of you have only seen the movie, uh, Unbroken. If you've only seen the movie, it's always true. The book is far better, right? The book is better, Unbroken by Lauren Hillenbrand. And it's about Louis Zamperini. What a remarkable person he was. On a plane in World War II, but the plane was shot down. And then he was on a life raft. Can you imagine this? I can't even imagine it. On a life raft for 47 days. 47 days on a life raft in the ocean. And he survived. He, he made it, didn't he? But, but that was just the beginning. Because then he was taken prisoner by the Japanese. And he was tortured. I'm ruining the book for you. But sorry if you haven't read it. But he was, he was tortured for, for two years. And, and again, the incredible, the incredible endurance. I'm actually not telling you the end of the story. If you haven't read it, that, that is an awesome book. But, but he made it. You know, you, you, you read the, when I was reading the book, I thought again and again, how is this guy alive? How is this guy alive going through all these things? But he, but he made it. And that's what the author is saying to the readers in Hebrews 11. They're called upon to make it. What were these readers facing? If we read in chapter 10, I'm not going to read that for you, but you could turn there if you want to. Verses 32 through 34, they were experiencing verbal abuse. So they were being abused verbally. They, people were stealing their possessions, which it says they received the stealing of their possessions with joy. Imagine that again. We're talking about real people. They, they were being Im, imprisoned. But we learned from chapter 12, verse 5, nobody was being put to death. But, but, but it was hard enough what they were facing. But, but they, were, they were discouraged. Uh, we, we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, they had, they, had, they had tired hands and weak knees. 
I mean, maybe you feel that way today. Maybe you're, maybe you're, you're tired and you're exhausted. Maybe not just physically, but, but maybe spiritually as well. They, they, they were worn out. And, 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 you know, they started to wonder, maybe is, is Jesus the only way? Are, are there other ways? Uh, uh, maybe they said to themselves, maybe it'll be okay to go back to the Old Testament sacrifices. Maybe, maybe we can just turn away from Jesus and, and we'll find more comfort if we go back to the old way of, of life. So that was their situation. What's, what's our situation? Well, um, we're, you, we're not being imprisoned as Christians in this country, are we? We're not, we're not at least typically, being stolen from because we're Christians. People aren't stealing our possessions. No, no, one, no one's putting us to death, right? Uh, although we don't know the future. We don't know what could happen or what, what might happen. But it is harder as a believer to get jobs in, in certain areas. I mean, they're not completely close to us, but it's, it's harder to get a job in, in, in the media. It's harder to get jobs in the universities, right? It's, uh, some, in, in some companies, it's harder to be a Christian in a particular job. And, and then there's controversies that we're engaged in, controversies over, over pronouns, maybe over diversity training in our job. Um, and then many Christian parents are, are concerned, depends on your context, I, I don't know your city well, but what school can I send my kids to? What, what, what will they be taught in the school? So as Christians, we, we, can, feel, we can feel isolated, we can feel discouraged, and, and we may wonder, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to keep following Jesus? And, and when that enters into our heart, and it can be a lot of different situations, we're tempted to compromise, aren't we? We're, we're tempted to pull back. We're tempted to, to, not, to not keep following Jesus. We may, not, we may not cling to him because we want to we wanna fit in. That, that desire, that desire to fit in, that is such a powerful desire. To, to compromise so that we feel like we belong. And that's what the readers were, were feeling. We read in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22, he says, I've, I've written to you briefly a word of exhortation. And that, that phrase, a word of exhortation, means I've written to you a sermon. A word of exhortation is, just means I've written to you a sermon. You know, if you read the letter of Hebrews out loud, the whole thing, we won't do that right now. But if we read it out loud, it would take about an hour. You know, that's a, yeah, Pastor Nate doesn't preach for an hour, but you know, uh, that'd be a, a long sermon, right? But you know, you might think, well, there's 13 chapters, it takes about an hour. And, and in Acts chapter 13, verse 15, Paul goes to Pisidian Antioch, which is in modern-day Turkey, and the, the head of the synagogue says to Paul, do you have a word of exhortation for us? Very same, very same expression. In other words, he says to Paul, do you have a sermon for us? And Paul, Johnny on the spot, right, says, of course I do. And he gets up and gives a sermon. Well, that, that's what we have here. We have a sermon. And what is this sermon about? You know, if there's a sermon, there should be typically one point. And, and, and if 
you know, we're not doing Bible quiz time, but if you know the Bible, if somebody said to you, what's Hebrews about? What's, what's the main point of the sermon? And I think we could say the main point of the sermon is don't fall away. Five warning passages in the book, right? And those five warning passages, he keeps returning to them. And those five warning passages all have the same main point, and they're stay with Jesus. Keep following Jesus. So, you know, a good sermon has one point, and, and this chapter fits in, right? Because how is it? How is it that you make it to the end? How is it that you don't fall away? Well, well, he tells us you make it, you make it by faith. You make it by, by trusting God. So, I've, I have three sub-points for this, you know? We, we make it by, by trusting God. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to look at everything in this chapter, but uh, we're told, first of all, uh, you, can, you can make it. That's my first point. You can make it. Perseverance is possible. Because remember, remember these readers, they were wondering, can we make it to the end? It's like running a race. Life was tough, and it was discouraging. And, and, and so he's saying, let's read verses 12, 1 through 3, because this is really part of chapter 11. He says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses, that cloud of witnesses are all the people he mentions in chapter 11, surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares, ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there it is. That's the main point really of this, of chapter 11. Let us run the race with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The person who ran the race to the end supremely is Jesus himself. So we're called upon here, run the race to the end. And in chapter 11, which we read part of today, in chapter 11 we have the story or list of all these people who've, who've run that race so successfully. And why does he name so many people. Well, probably for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons he tells us about all these people is to say, lots of people have run the race before you. Lots of people have done it. And if lots of people have done it, you can do it too. They've run the race. They've made it to the end. If they've made it to the end, you can make it to the end. I think we see that particularly in chapter 11, verse 32, because he's just continued naming all these people. But notice what he says in verse 32 of chapter 11. And what more can I say? He begins to sense, my sermon's running long, right? <laughs> what more can I say? Time is too short. I can't go forever and ever. For it's too short for me to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets 
who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Now, there's a very interesting thing. If you have a Bible, you can look at this verse. There's a very interesting thing about this verse. This list, starting, right, starting with God creating the world, and then it goes, you know, to Abel and to Enoch and Noah and Abraham. All throughout the list, he goes in chronological order. The stories in the order in which they took place in the Bible. But he doesn't do that here. Because, look at verse 32 again. Gideon lived after Barak. And Samson lived after Jephthah. And, 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 um, and, and, and David lived after Samuel. So you see what I'm saying? He reverses the order here. The order should be Barak, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, Samuel, David. Now, he doesn't do that anywhere else. Why does he do that? I think he's doing that to say to us, oh, I'm just running back and forth to tell all these stories. There's so many stories to tell, I can't tell them all. So he, say, he kind of says, it's like lightning going across the sky, right? There's so many more stories. The reverse order isn't an accident. So he's saying, look at all these people who made it. I could tell you many other stories. And guess what? It's 2,000 years after this was written. And so there's many more stories that can be written, surely in this church. You could tell the stories of people in this church who have died in the Lord and who have run the race to the end. And if we think of church history, we can think of people like Polycarp, who was martyred in the second century, or the, the, the female saint Perpetua, or we could think of Augustine, or we could think of, of Tyndale, or we could think of Thomas Cranmer, who was burned at the stake for his faith, or the great missionary to India, Amy Carmichael, and time will fail me, right, if, if I keep going. That, that's why Christian biographies can be so encouraging to read. You know, some, some who made it were pretty alone in the world, like Noah, who's mentioned. You know, Nate read about Noah. We read about him in verse 7. How many were with Noah? How many were following the Lord with Noah? Seven others. That's it. You know, I'm not real good at counting, but when I look out at this room, I think there's more than seven in here. Is that correct, do you think? So, you know, just imagine there's only seven believers in the world, but there's more than that in this room. So, Noah made it, and he didn't have a lot of support. And if Noah made it, you can make it as well, what he's saying. Some, some who made it, some who made it gave up political comfort. We read about Moses. Look at this. Read about Moses in verse 24 of chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach 
for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. Does sin bring pleasure? Absolutely. But it's fleeting. It's temporary. Moses gave up a job in the State Department, didn't he? He gave up a job with political power and influence because he was looking to the future. He was looking to the reward. You know, some, some prospered, right? We read about the people who shut the mouths of lions, conquered kingdoms, so forth and so on, but, but some suffered. Let's look at verse 35. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Of course, they prospered. Other people were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. You know, there's a different story for every person, right? Some, some their lives are relatively comfortable, and, and others, others suffer severely. God knows. God knows you. God loves you. He knows what's best for you. He's planned the race and the course for you. Some, you may live relatively peaceful, happy lives. Others of you may suffer remarkably. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We're called upon to trust Him, aren't we? And the stories are told here to say, these people were ordinary people, like you and me, and they made it to the end, and he's saying, you can make it too. Acts chapter 12, James, the brother of John, he was beheaded by Herod, right? Peter, same chapter, Peter is delivered. Peter is delivered from prison. So we don't know what's coming. Are you going to be like James, dying young? Or like Peter, who lived to a relatively old age. We don't know. But we're encouraged. You can make it to the end by God's grace. Many others have made it. Some have suffered. Some have prospered. You can make it as well. Second, second point. How do we make it? You know, we're called to run the race to the end. How, how do we run that race? And we make it, what does he tell us? We make it by trusting God. Look at verse 6 again, famous verse. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We don't make it by working for God. We, we don't make it by just gritting our teeth, right? We, 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 we don't make it fundamentally by performing but we don't make it fundamentally by achieving. What does the text say? We make it by believing, by, by, by trusting, by, by resting in God's grace. Isn't that interesting? We're to run a race. But how do you run this spiritual race? By, by, by believing, by, by giving yourself to God in, in Jesus Christ. By believing that there's going to be a reward. By faith, what does he say? The men of old gained approval. 
You know, you know, in Hebrews, faith in, is more than trusting God for a reward in the future. It's also trusting God for what he did in the past. Because Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says about Jesus, after making cleansing for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, so what did Jesus do? He cleansed us of our sins. He, he, he accomplished forgiveness of sin. And then he sat down because his work was finished. So, so maybe you're in here today and you're not a believer. Maybe, maybe you're a, a, one of the children in the church and you're not a believer. Maybe you're an older person and you're not a believer. But you know, the word of God is for you children as well, isn't it? But it's for all of us. And, and, and we're called upon here, what do we put our faith in? We put our faith in, in, in Jesus, right? And we put our faith in Jesus to cleanse us, what, from our guilt and our sin. And we all have it, don't we? And we can't, we can't atone for that guilt. We can't atone for the evil that we've done by, by our works, by our performance. No, only Jesus can atone for that guilt. And he, he's cleansed He's cleansed people of their sins if they put their trust in him. So our faith, our faith isn't just faith in faith, is it? Our faith, our faith is in Jesus who cleanses us from our sins and he gives us, he gives us a clear conscience so that we have boldness to enter into God's presence. You know, the author of Hebrews does something very interesting with the Old Testament stories, if you know these stories. So let's think about some of these people. Think about Abel. If you read in Genesis, all we're told in Genesis is that Abel, in contrast to Cain, Abel did what was right, right? He offered the first portion of his flock and the fat portions, we're told. But Hebrews tells us, what does Hebrews tell, tell us that's not in Genesis? That he did that by faith. We're told, we're told about Enoch in chapter 11, verse 5. Uh, I mean, in, in, I'm sorry. We're told about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 that he walked with God. But in verse 5 of chapter 11, what does Hebrews tell us that Genesis doesn't tell us? Hebrews tells us he walked with God by faith. We're, we're told about Noah in, in Genesis chapter 6 that he found favor with God and that he was righteous and blameless. But Genesis doesn't tell us something that Hebrews tells us. Hebrews tells us he walked with God by faith. In Genesis 12, we're told that Abraham obeyed God and went to the land of promise. But Hebrews tells us he obeyed by faith. Now, of course, these two accounts aren't contradictory, but complementary, right? So, so Hebrews helps us understand the Old Testament better by shining a light on these stories and telling us how is it they obeyed? What motivated them to make it? And they made it by trusting God. Hebrews gives us an inspired and canonical commentary on these Old Testament accounts. So we learn, right, that all obedience flows from faith. So think about this for a moment. If you cheat on your taxes, I trust you won't, 
But if you cheat on your taxes, why would we do that? That's wrong, right? Because we don't trust that God will take care of us, right? If we steal, what's going on? Stealing is a wrong action, but what's behind it? Lack of trust, right? If, 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 If you commit sexual sin... What, what's behind committing sexual sin? There's, there's a lack of trust that God is bringing me the pleasure, the joy that I deserve, right? We're not trusting, we're not trusting God for that. And if, if you're worrying, right? If you're anxious, what, where, does, where does anxiety come from? God's not going to take care of me. I, there's no God to take care of me. I gotta, I've got to worry about this, right? Every, every sin, really, at the end of the day, all sin flows right out of lack of trust. The action flows from, from a motivation. And that's what Hebrews is telling us. How, how did they make it? They, they make it? they make it by faith. You, um, in 1952, maybe you've heard of this woman, Florence Chadwick, she was a great, she was a great, great swimmer. She swam the English Channel, a lot of other things. She she decided she was going to swim from from Catalina Island to uh, the shore of California. That's 26 miles. Can you imagine that swimming 26 miles? So she she and she set off to do this swim, and it became very foggy and hard to see. And, uh, you know, there are little boats around her uh, to make sure she wasn't, you know, bitten by sharks or whatever. And uh, she, she said to her mom, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so she got out. And when she got out, she was, she was one mile from the shore. She didn't know she was that close. So she, she didn't make it, right? She didn't, she, didn't, she didn't trust she could make it. Her body was wearing out. But when she found out she was one mile from the shore, she said, I'm going to do this again. <laughs> and two months later, she did it again. And it, same thing, the fog came. But this time, this time she knew, right? She trusted, I can make it. And, and, and she did. So, so we, run, we run that race. We run that race by faith. But, but I just want to say, we run that race by faith, but, but we're not perfect, right? We're, Noah, Noah got drunk and exposed himself, Right? Abraham compromised his wife's safety and her purity to protect himself, didn't he? Jacob was a cheat and a manipulator. So, yeah, we're called upon to run the race to the end, and it's by faith. But for us, it isn't perfection, is it? It wasn't perfection. These weren't perfect people, and neither are we. I mean, Samson. Samson's in this list, right? I'm not going to rehearse the story of Samson. But if you know anything about his story, you know he was a very flawed and fallible person. But, but, but God didn't abandon him, and he made it to the end. You know, I love, I love that story of Samson because, you know, he compromised, right, by telling Delilah where his strength came from, and they cut his hair. But when he was in prison, if you notice this ever when you're reading Judges? When he's in prison, what are we told? The hair on his head began to grow again. Like, okay, who cares, right? But that's a big part of the story because what is the narrator telling us? God hadn't abandoned him, right? God, 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 after, after he had sinned so dramatically, God had not abandoned Samson. And when he put his hands on the pillars, 
and the building collapses and his life ends and the Philistines die with him, if God's not with him, he can't do a thing, right? We already know that when Delilah came. He tried to get away, but if God's not with him, but, but here's the point, right? Samson, with all his faults, he persevered. He made it to the end. And so I just want to say, if you think, oh, well, I can't keep running this race. I failed too much in my life. I've fallen short so many times. I'm done running this race. No, 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 no. The people who ran this race, they, they ran it by faith, but they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. But when they fell down, they got up and ran again. And that's what God calls you to do. Finally, thirdly, what does this faith do? Faith looks to the invisible. Faith, verse 1, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction that's not seen. Noah didn't see the massive storm that was going to engulf, engulf the world. There'd never been a flood before, but he trusted God's Word. Abraham had never seen the land God had promised to give him. He didn't, he didn't even possess it in his lifetime. Acts chapter 7 says he didn't even receive a foot of ground. But he trusted he would receive it. Ultimately, he was looking for the heavenly city. Sarah trusted, even though for years and years and years she couldn't have a baby, Sarah trusted that she would have a child. So the author is saying to the readers, and I'm saying to you, Faith trusts in the promise that isn't yet revealed. Faith trusts in what we do not see yet. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith, faith trusts in the past, right? Faith trusts in the past, what Jesus has done for us. But faith also looks to the future. But what will heaven be like specifically in detail? in living color. Yeah, we'll be raised from the dead. We'll be with Jesus. We'll have responsibilities. But it's really hard to imagine, isn't it? Because we're not told a lot of detail. I take it we're not told a lot of detail because we couldn't even fully understand it. So we have a promise before us of something, of someone that is so glorious, but we don't fully see it. So our faith is directed what? To the future, to what we don't see, to what is invisible to us. Our faith, our faith isn't in faith, is it? Our faith rests in, in God's Word. Our faith rests in God's promises. We trust in God's Word as Noah trusted in God's Word about the flood and Abraham, Isaac's resurrection. So as I close, I just want to say, three things. Run the race to the end. Don't abandon Jesus. Cling to him to the end, and you, you can make it, right? Hang in there. Keep running that race. You can make it to the end. Secondly, how do you make it? By trusting God, by relying on his promises. And, and what do we trust him for? For the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, right? For his death that cleanses us from our sins and, and for the reward and the promises that are before us. And that reward, that reward is so amazing 
and so beautiful that it is indescribable. It is indescribably beautiful. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us the strength because we know we can't make it on our own. We, we ask that you would give us the strength to run the race before us, to trust in you for every good thing in our life, whether we suffer or whether we prosper, Lord, we ask you to strengthen us and give us the courage, give us the faith we need. We trust you will do that in Jesus' name. Amen.